your house, I now want you to transfer to him. Many years ago, the Lord spoke to me and he said, I want you to put up your map and get out the compass. For the place that I, the, the direction that I'm taking you, there are no guidelines, there are no parameters, there, no one has been before, but you have to learn to hear the voice of your compass, and the voice of your compass is Holy Spirit. And the more you hear him, the more you will see the things come to pass that he has spoken over you. Now, that's easy to tell him, but what I want you to understand is that any word that's released over him and her is released over you. Which means that if, if he, it, once you hear it, once it has now become revelation, once it now has been released into the atmosphere, now you are responsible to steward it and bring it to pass. Hmm. That's a challenge. It's challenging to put up a map. It's much easier to walk by a map. In fact, in our culture in America today, we, want, we need them. We, we want five steps to a happy life. We want 10 steps to a better me. <laughs> let me tell you, let me just give you one step. Behold the face of Jesus. As you behold the face of Jesus, all everything else will begin to line up. It's interesting in the old covenant, in, in Exodus, the Bible says that Moses said, Lord, show me your face. And the Lord said, listen, Moses, you can't see my face because if you see my face, you will die. Yet in the new covenant, we are instructed to behold the face of Jesus. Why? Because it's in the presence of Jesus as we behold his, his face that we die. Hmm. Hmm. Jesus is drawing us to a place of beholding, of, of intently looking upon him, of, of setting our gaze upon him. Listen, I, I, I'm not trying to be mean, but I just believe that there are some in this place where you become so wrapped up in politics that you've forgotten what kingdom you live in. Let me remind you that your king is still on the throne and his name's not Trump and his name's not Biden. His name is Jesus and he is the king of kings and he is the Lord of lords. Hey, hallelujah. And he wasn't elected and he will not be removed. Hmm. <laughs> now, in case you think I'm one of those people who think that, that the Lord is done with America, I am not. I am not. I still believe America shall be saved. I still believe that the presence of the Lord shall fill America. I still believe that signs, wonders, and miracles not only will, but have broken out in this nation. I'm going to get to my message in a minute, but let me just, is this okay? You said be at home. I mean, y'all get plenty of teaching. Y'all get good teaching. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna do what the Lord's. All right, let me tie this to Jonah. Uh, see, Jonah was instructed by the Lord to go release a word. Jonah didn't want to release that word, so Jonah, Jonah ended up in the well, of, in the belly of a big fish. Now, I have no desire to end up in the belly of a big fish, so I'm just gonna release what the Lord tells me to release, and I'm just gonna let Pastor Harris clean it up when I go. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm working for my lunch. I'm working for my steak. I don't know if Pastor, told you, Pastor Harris told you or not, but I don't like vegetables. I just like meat. 
and the Lord confirmed to me that that was biblical the other day. I saw a, a, a meme and it said that the Lord saved the animals. He saved meat, not vegetables. Hallelujah. I just believe that Jesus is still king and that he still has a plan for America. In fact, the reason that America has not imploded is because the light is shining in the midst of darkness. See, we need to stop. We need to get rid of this escapism mentality. Listen, I'm all about when Jesus is coming back, but I can't look until I can't look at that and plead with him every day to come back. What I have to look at is what he's called me to do. And the fact is, is if he comes back right now, there are too many people going to spend eternity in hell. And he said the kingdom of God is within you, and now I need you to release that kingdom. So I just declare that the church in America is going to rise up and start being the light in the darkness. Amen. Amen. Now, let's calm down. Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. All right, let me get through this assignment, and then we'll get back into to the word. Pastor Harris is a pretty good guy. Amen. <laughs> I'm just joking. Uh, I kid, I kid. No, really, um, I've had the privilege of knowing Pastor Harris for, uh, what now, 11, 12 years? How long were you in? Almost 15. Man, I'm getting old. Almost 15 years, and uh, he and his wife were, are great friends of mine and my wives, and my wife's, my wife, <laughs> my wife. <laughs> oh, glory. I heard somebody just shout, heresy, heresy. No. But they have been a blessing to our life, and, and I'm not, not going to share a whole lot of stories, but there was one. I, I, I was thinking as we were just worshiping, I was just so grateful to the Lord. Um, it was about 10 years ago, Pastor Harris came to me, and he said, I've had the opportunity. I've been asked to go to Iowa to be the youth pastor. Is that right? And. He said, I want to know, you know, what are you thinking? I, I don't know what to do. I'm, I, I'm, I'm struggling with leaving. I'm struggling. I just want to know uh, what, I just want to do what the Lord wants me to do. And, um, and so we had a meeting, and, and I won't go into great detail, but we were under some dysfunctional leadership at that moment, at, at that time. And I was actually instructed to tell him that it was not the will of God and that he needed to stay where he was at. And as we began, as I, as I sought the Lord, I said, Lord, I know that that's not right. And, and let me just take, I would be just completely honest with you. There was a part of me that wanted to tell you that for no other reason than because I loved you and I knew the potential in you. And I said, Lord, I know we can do great things together. And he said, I'm going to do great things through both of you, but you send him where I've called him to go. And as I look at this house and I, I just get to experience the life and joy and love of God that's in this place. And I just thank God that we had the sense enough to tell him to go and to be where God had called him to be. And I just want you to give the Lord a hand clap of praise for that.
I know that you know this, but Pastor Harris and, and Sarah, and let me just say this, uh, Pastor Harris is great because of Pastor Sarah. One of the unique giftings that God has placed in them is to help people to walk through difficult circumstances. My wife and I have decided the next time we get the invitation to come, we are going to decline. <laughs> because the last time we came, right before we came, we ended up walking through an extremely difficult situation. But as we, when we came, then they were able to, they actually were able to minister to us and to help us walk through that. And now this time as we were preparing to come and uh, we, our church body suddenly lost one of our eldership and a great friend and one of our foundational um, leaders and worship leaders. And as I thought about it, I thought, well, how fitting that at least now as we walk through this situation that we get to go be with Pastor Harris and Sarah because they, they shepherd us in these times and we are so grateful for that. Uh, I'm just kidding. I won't decline. But I will pray <laughs> earnestly. Amen. So, Pastor Harris, I just want you to know, Pastor Sarah, we love you. We love your family. Uh, and we are so grateful for you and the, the call of God and the gift of God on your life. But more than that, we're grateful for your heart. You're an amazing couple, and we love you very much. Amen. Amen. Now, let's, um, let's, let's pray. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for the opportunity to come. And Lord, I thank you for just the privilege of being here with this group of amazing people. I am so encouraged by the life that is in this place. The atmosphere of expectation for what you want to do. Holy Spirit, how you want to move and what you want to speak. And I just thank you for it. And we just say, do it how you want to do it. And we're here to receive it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, let's turn in our Bible to Jonah chapter 1. Jonah chapter 1. And I'm just going to read verses 1 through 5. I hope I don't kick that over. Bless you. Uh, now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Hamadai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry aloud against it. For their wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah arose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. But the Lord sent out a great wind on the sea, and there was a mighty tempest on the sea, so that the ship was about to be broken up. The mariners, mariners, however you say it, were afraid, and every man cried out, bless you, Lord of mercy, <laughs> cried out to his God. And threw the cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten the load. But Jonah had gone into the lowest parts of the ship. He laid down and was fast asleep. Hmm. 
Again, Lord, we thank you for your word. Holy Spirit, we thank you for speaking and doing and moving how you desire in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, I just want to start with a, a couple of things. I'm just going to throw some things out there. Um, one, I am not an expository preacher. An expository preacher, for, for some of you who may not know, is someone who takes the word and they go line by line and they exposit, they exposit on the scripture uh, and they draw things out of the scripture in that way. I can do that, but that is not really primarily how the Father generally speaks to me. Normally, he speaks to me in topics and concepts. And then he uses his word to tie those things together. And then he gives me, as I'm usually ministering, he gives me how he wants it to come about. A lot of times, I don't even know what's going to come out until you hear it. So you just have to give me some grace with that. Amen. Uh, but at the end of the day, it's not about preference. It's not about style. I just want to hear the voice of the Lord. And I just want to, I just want to be able to communicate to you what he's saying to us. Amen. And so as I was... <clears throat> looking at Jonah, looking at the, the word, looking at uh, the book of Jonah, there are a couple of things that uh, I believe it's important to understand if we're going to pull from the book of Jonah what the Holy Spirit would have us to see. And in order to do that, we must have proper perspective. Proper perspective. If you're taking notes, you can write this down. Perspective shapes reality. Your perspective has created the reality that you're living in right now. And in fact, if you don't like the reality that you're living in, then all you need to do is just go to Holy Spirit and ask him, where has my perspective been slanted in a way that it should not be slanted so that I can bring it back into alignment with your word so that I can change the reality that I'm living in? Perspective determines what we speak, and what we speak will then create the atmosphere that we live in. The Bible declares that death and life are in the power of the tongue. If you don't like the life you're living, change what you're saying. And so I think that our perspective of the book of Jonah, at least for me, I started to look at it in a different Way and see, I, I believe that part of that was part of Jonah's issue that his perspective was slanted by bias. Now, I know that we had conversation with Pastor Sarah and, and Harris, and they were telling us some of the things that, that you guys have talked about. And, 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 and I, I haven't had the chance, like I said, we've been dealing with some difficult things, and I haven't had the chance to, to go back and to, to listen to those messages. So uh, I hope I don't step on anyone's toes or disagree with anything that was said. If it comes between me and them, they're right, I'm wrong. But Pastor Sarah was telling us about the research and how Jonah had uh, all of the things that, that Nineveh, the Ninevites would do and the, the great evil that, that, that they would perform and why Jonah would have such bias. And, and in the natural, we can understand Jonah's bias, but, but what we have to understand is that the moment we come into the kingdom of God, we are no longer entitled to our biases. In fact, we talk a lot about culture. We talk about white culture and black culture and Hispanic culture and Indian culture. I just declare to you that there is only one culture in the kingdom of God, and that is kingdom culture. So Jonah's perspective was slanted by a bias where in the natural we would say that we can understand that. But see, Jonah didn't have, he really didn't have the luxury of having a bias because he was called to be a prophet. 
How many of you know, if you're called to be a prophet and hear the voice of God and speak the word of God, then there's no room in your life for bias. While I'm on the subject, I think we have too many prophets prophesying from their emotion instead of from their spirit. Prophesying their agenda instead of the agenda of God. But our perspective has to be this. If, if, we, if we see the story as one of, dis, of, of just disobedience and judgment, we miss the overwhelming goodness and grace of God that is extended not only to an evil city, but to a religious prophet. The time that we live is no different than the time that they lived. You, had, you have the, the, the quote-unquote religious judging the world and the world judging the religious. All of, all the, uh, while at the same time, the, the grace of God was being poured out even in the old covenant. The next thing that I want, I want to point out is that when we look at the old covenant, we have to look at it from the perspective of the finished work of Christ. In other words, the old one man said it this way. He said that the old covenant is Jesus concealed. The new covenant is Jesus revealed. Our goal in studying the stories of the old covenant and studying all of these powerful things is, is not just to pull principles out of it so that we can apply it to our life because if we're not careful, we'll pull things out of the old covenant that doesn't apply to us today. But our goal in studying the, word, the old covenant is to find Jesus there and see where it points to him in the new covenant and then see how Holy Spirit would relate that to our lives so that we can see change and transformation. Because at the end of the day, we are not called to be conformed into the image of Jonah to Daniel to Paul to David. We're called to be conformed into the image of Jesus. See, Cedar Rapids, don't need, they don't need another Jonah. They don't need another David. They don't need a, the, what they need is a bunch of Jesus representation walking around, showing the love and the grace of God, not condoning their sin, but showing them, listen, there's a way out for you. We have this, this, this saying at, in our house that the Lord gave us and. Lord spoke it to me several, a couple of years ago now, and he said, upon this, I want you to, I want your theology to be built. He said, everything in the kingdom, how many of you know we live in a kingdom? Jesus didn't preach the gospel of grace. He didn't preach the gospel of salvation. He didn't preach the gospel of prosperity. He didn't preach hardly any of it. He didn't preach the majority of the things that we hear. Jesus preached the gospel of the kingdom. He said, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It is now within your grasp now that I have arrived and I've come to show you another way. And then he said, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And we've taken repentance and we've made it this thing where we just sin and then we cry out to God and we say we're sorry, but that's not true repentance. True repentance is changing the way that you think. Why? Because you can't change the way you act until you change the way you think. And so Jesus said, the kingdom is within your reach. Now, change the way that you think so that you can grasp the concepts that I'm going to try and release to you so that you can walk in the fullness of what I am going to do. Everything in the kingdom is in him, through him, by him, and for him. That's a whole lot of him and not a lot of us. 
Everything in the kingdom is in him, by him, through, in him, through him, by him, and for him. So when I look at the Old Testament, when I'm looking at stories, I always try to ask myself this, is where is Jesus in this story? Where is Jesus in the story? And as we, we progress here, I, I just want you to, to write this down because I want you to, as we go through this, I want you to ask yourself, I want to ask myself, am I more like Jonah or Jesus? Because we give Jonah a bad rap. We, get, we, get, we can get, if we're not careful, we can get very critical of Jonah, but I just submit to you that there's a little of Jonah in all of us. All right, let's get into this. Uh, verse 3, but Jonah arose to flee from the presence of the Lord. When I saw, it, saw in this text, it struck me that this may be the saddest thing I have seen in the word. Jonah arose to flee from the presence of the Lord. See, when you don't have a proper perspective of the Father and who he is, when things get difficult and you start to see things, things start to get hard and maybe there are some things that you don't agree with or maybe you even fall and you do, you do some things that you know are wrong and you can't seem to break that habit or that cycle, there are, the enemy will come and bring condemnation and then you will, be, if you're not careful, you will flee the presence of the Lord. Listen, we were not designed to live outside of the presence of the Lord. In fact, as I thought about that scripture, it took me back to Exodus chapter 20 where the Bible says that God desired to come down and to meet with the people and that lightning began to flash and there was lightning and thunder and there was an earthquake and all of this, this great sound and, and it was really just releasing the majesty of God and the people said, Moses, you go talk to him and we'll talk to you because we're afraid of him. Jonah began to flee from the presence of the Lord. He was never designed to function outside of the presence of the Lord. In fact, uh, he was a prophet. In, in order to be an actual prophet, you know, listen, how can I be a prophet and not live from his presence? Jonah, more than anyone, should know that I have to stay in the presence of the Lord. Even if I don't like what he's saying, I have to stay there until I am, until he conforms me into him, his image and his will is done in my life, not my will done in his life. Let me ask you a question. How much more should New Testament, New Covenant sons and daughters live in the presence of God? The presence of God is not just some, some place or some time that we, are, that we visit, that we step into and out of. The Bible says that, that it's in him we move and we breathe and we have our being. And I just believe that God's bringing us to a place where sons and daughters live from his presence, not just to get to his presence. There's something higher than just coming into a church service on Sunday morning or Wednesday evening or when we gather and say, well, I'm going to get into the presence of the Lord. No, 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 no. That's not the intent. The intent was he's coming down to walk with us in the cool of the day every day, all day. In fact, I believe that that's why many of us are frustrated. Many of us are dissatisfied with our walk with the Lord because we have stepped away from his presence for one, way, for one reason or another. 
See, the presence of the Lord, don't worry, I'm going to get to Jonah in a minute, but the presence of the Lord is, is, is it's where we are transformed. It's where we're transformed. It's in the presence of the Lord that I take on his characteristics, that I start to, to communicate with him, and I start to see the heart of the Father. See, Jonah's issue, was not, Jonah's issue was not that he didn't have faith. Jonah's issue was that he didn't have a right heart. And the more you walk away, the further you get from the presence, the harder your heart will become. You can have all the faith in the world, but if you're not living from a place of his presence, it's going to do you and, and everything. Listen, Jonah knew what was going to happen. Uh, we'll skip ahead. And, and, and What chapter are y'all on right now? Three. One. <laughs> okay. Glory to God. I'm just going to preach the whole book. Whole book. Uh, in fact, Jonah, Jonah gets mad. Jonah goes and cries out to Nineveh, and all of Nineveh gets saved. All of Nineveh repents and, and gives their life to the Lord. And Jonah, who should be happy, he's angrier. He's an angry prophet. He was a loveless prophet. Now, I'm not saying he was loveless at all. Don't get me wrong. I'm just saying toward this people group, he had issues. Reminds me of something that I, uh, I seen the other day. My wife showed me a, a video of on Instagram or Face Snap or whatever. <laughs> tiki, tiki talk. And it was a quote-unquote man of God standing up screaming at the top of his lungs, calling another man of God a demon and saying that he was going to hell calling him vile and vicious things. And taking pride in doing it. I can't find that in my Bible. Even if what the man was saying was true, my Bible says that if you have a brother and he is caught in sin, then you who are spiritual go and restore him. It doesn't say condemn him to hell. That sounds like witchcraft to me. And I hesitate. I don't want to call out his name, but I, 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 because I know of the, the phenomenon that is sweeping across, uh, across the body of Christ, because the body of Christ is looking for something, and so this man stands up and shouts that the body of Christ is all full of demons and we all get, need to get delivered. Listen, if the Spirit of God is on the inside of you, you don't need some vile prophet to tell you need, you need to get delivered. If the enemy is working on your life, you need to come into his presence and say, Lord, I don't know what's going on, but show me so that I can get rid of it, because the Spirit of the Lord that's on the inside of me is far greater than any spirit who is trying to oppress me. I'm not saying we don't need some deliverance in the body of Christ, but listen, there are some things that you can't cast out. You've got to disciple out. You can't cast out the flesh and you can't disciple out devils. And there's a time and place for each one. I don't know why I went there. It's in his presence that we take on his characteristics, that we, that we become. The Lord has just been dealing with me recently on becoming fascinated with him. Fascinated with Jesus. 
have all these sects, all these things that are, that are split, all this division in the body of Christ. Listen, the division in the body of Christ would come to an end if we would all just get fascinated with Jesus again. If we would just set our gaze upon him. Now, don't get me wrong. I understand the importance of the word. I love the words. We need the word, but word without presence produces religion and arrogance. I woke up one morning, it was, it was several weeks ago now, and I had this thought in my mind. Just, I mean, I had just woken up, and so I, I just know that it was, it was a divinely orchestrated thought. And the thought was this. We have been steeped in religion and the corresponding mindset for so long that it takes a daily yielding our minds to the Holy Spirit to see just how good the Father is. He is better than you think. <laughs> I don't know about you, but that's a good thought to wake up to. I woke up to a lot of different thoughts, but that might be one of the best ones I've ever woken up to. But then I started to dissect that thought as the Lord began continued to speak to me about it. And, and, and he started to show me some things. And, and one of the things that he started to show me is this, is that, okay, what are we talking about? We're talking about valuing the presence of God. I know that we're talking about Jonah, but see, I believe that one of Jonah's biggest mistakes was the very first thing that Jonah did was, it wasn't that he had a wrong heart. It was that when he had a wrong heart that he left the presence of God instead of going deeper into the presence of God. And so what we want to see is, okay, how do, we, how, do we, how do we not do what Jonah did? And so we have always been taught, and I've taught this at times, is that, a, is that good seed sown into good ground will produce good fruit. What if I told you that that was correct but incomplete? It's all right. Hmm. <laughs> How many of you are good ground? Lift your hand. <laughs> How many of you are good ground? Lift your hand. For those of you who still refuse to lift your hand, let me just declare to you that you are good ground, not because of you, but because of him. He declared that you are good ground. You are such good ground that the spirit of the living God now dwells on the inside of you. If you realize how much, what that really means, we ought to get up every morning and thank God that we didn't explode last night. Now, how many of you are good ground? Now, have you ever had the seed of the word sown into you? I can tell you every week you have the seed of the word sown into you. You had the truth, the truth of God's word sown into you on a regular basis. So now, let me ask you this. How many of you know or feel like that there are some things in your life where that truth hasn't brought forth fruit yet? Or how many of you have had words spoken over you, the prophetic released over you, and, 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 and you still haven't seen that prophetic word come to pass yet? Some of you, it's been 5, 10, 15 years. Some of you, it's even been longer, but that word has been spoken, but you haven't seen that word come to pass. I did some research and found that, uh, actually, I used you guys, Iowa, well, the state of Iowa, as an example, several months ago, I did some research and found that, that Iowa has this, this soil. I hope, this is, I hope I got the state right. I hope I read the right site. It said it's called that, it's, called, it's some of the most fertile soil 
in America. It's called the black gold of Iowa. Is that right? So, so let's take this scenario. Now, I don't like oranges. But I couldn't make steak work with the illustration. <laughs> what? That's true, it's not. I don't like fruit either. <laughs> but let's say I went to Florida and I got the best orange seed that I could possibly, the highest quality orange seed that I could possibly get. And I brought that orange seed and I brought it to Iowa and I found the most fertile, the most fertile flo- uh, soil in Iowa, the black gold. And I, and I planted that orange seed in that soil and I expected a great harvest of, of oranges. Would I get that harvest or would I not? But I have good seed. And I have good ground, and we've all shouted about it, and we've all been had it declared to us that good green, or good good seed sown into good ground produces good fruit. In fact, we've all been manipulated in offerings to give and give and give. With that illustration, hmm. ah, I shouldn't have said that out loud. My bad. <laughs> so I have good seed, I have good ground, but yet I can't really expect that. Why? What is missing? The atmosphere. Hmm. Good seed planted in exceptional soil, but missing the right environment or atmosphere, it will not produce. See, it takes the atmosphere of the presence of God to cause the life in the seed and the nutrients in the soil to function properly together and to produce the desired results. I just came to declare to some of you this morning that you have had plenty of word and you are good soil, but there are some things that haven't been, that haven't produced fruit in your life, not because you're not in the right atmosphere, but because you have left the atmosphere. In other words, you have stepped away from the presence of God because you've allowed something to come between you and him. That's not a condemning statement. That's just an an indication that if that's what the Lord is speaking, then the Lord is bringing someone into your life so to bring you right back into his presence. Because just as easy as you walked away from his presence, you can come right back up into his presence. Uh, But don't I need to, like, do some penance? I mean, I need to do some, some... I need to beg God to forgive me. Don't I need to, 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 to cry out to God? No, listen, you just simply repent. Father, I just thank you for your forgiveness for my stupidity. How many of you know his grace is greater than our stupidity? The Bible says that we can come boldly to the throne of grace to find what? To find grace and mercy in our time of need. So we can walk right back up into his presence and say, Father, I thank you that I have the capacity, the ability, the right as a son or a daughter of of yours, of the Most High, to walk right back up into your presence. And Lord, I thank you that the atmosphere of your presence will now touch the seed that's been deposited in me, and that seed will now produce the life that you intended for it to produce. I just declare that dormant words are coming alive in this environment. I said in this environment. Dormant callings are coming to life again in this environment. 
Some of you have been called to mission. Some of you have been called to, to evangelism. Some of you have been called to business. Some of you have been called to the nursing field. Some of you have been called to the medical field. I don't know what you've been called to. You. You've been suppressing it because you've gotten so far from his presence and the enemy has condemned you to the point where you think, I can never do that. In fact, that wasn't even God. Listen, I declare to you that it was God. And if he told you when you were 10, he wanted to send you to the mission field, he has not changed his mind. He said, but I, you don't know what I've done. You're right, I don't know what you've done, but I know what Jesus has done, and what Jesus has done is far greater than anything you could ever do. The Lord told me one time, I was praying, I was just crying out to God. I said, Lord, I constantly, I think he got tired of hearing it because he finally responded. I said, Lord, I'm sorry that I wasted so much of my life not doing what you called me to do. And he finally said, son, stop repenting for something that's already under the blood. He said, do you not, do you not think that I knew what you were gonna do before you did it? He said, before I formed you in your mother's womb, I had already called you. Before I sent you to this earth, I had already given you a call and I placed you through that conduit to get you into the earth to fulfill that call. And before I, before I sent you, I knew what you were gonna do. I knew how long it was gonna take you, yet I sent you anyway. Steeped, been steeped in religion and tradition. I looked up the word steeped. It's in steep. It's interesting. It means to soak, to soak in water or liquid so as to extract its flavors or to soften it. It means to surround or fill with a quality or influence. What, what, the, what that said to me is that the Lord is, he wants to bring us to a place where no longer, where he's bringing us out of being steeped in religion and all of these traditions of man and all of these things. And he wants to steep us in his presence until we take on the aroma of who he is. You remember in, in the Bible where Mary, when it says that Mary came and she broke open her box of worship. That in other words, she was so in his presence that when she, she was so enamored by his presence that she broke open her worship. And it says that the fragrance of the oil filled the room. He's calling us to a place where we are so steeped in his presence that we take on the atmosphere of heaven, that we begin to smell like heaven, that we begin to sound like heaven, that we begin to see like heaven, that we become soft like heaven. Come on, are you getting this? Hallelujah. I better say something about Jonah. Oh, sorry. And he arose to flee the presence of the Lord. And the next thing I notice is that, is that he arose to flee the presence of the Lord. And immediately he started going down. He started going down. He went down to Tarshish. He went down into the ship. He went down into the water. He went down into the fish. One step away from the presence and he immediately started going down. And then the Lord started contrasting that to me. And he said, remember, look at the places where it says that, that, that Jesus, and, it said, and he went up to pray. Jonah went down leaving his presence, but every time things got difficult, the Bible says that Jesus went up on a mountain to pray. Why? What was he doing? He was doing the opposite of Jonah. He was going into the presence of the Father instead of running from the presence of the Father. 
Because here's what we need to understand is that the disconnect from the presence of God is never an upward trajectory. It is always a downward spiral. I believe that this is where Jonah started to get off. This is where things started to come undone. The, the word, listen, watch this. I saw this this morning. The word of the Lord came to him. And in the midst of word and presence, his heart was revealed. Did you catch that? In the midst of word, the word of the Lord came to Jonah, arise and go to Nineveh, this great city that has come before me. He said, the word came and the presence came. And when the word and the presence collide, hearts are revealed. See, we can put on a front we can do the old fake it till you make it thing, but the problem is, is that when we continue to fake it, we ain't making it. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying you ain't making it to heaven. I'm saying you ain't making it to the fulfillment of the call of God on your life by faking it. And the word and presence revealed the heart posture of Jonah. Now, in that moment, Jonah had a choice. He could have said, Lord, I don't like that people, and here is why, but if this is what you're calling me to do, then I'm gonna stay right here in your presence until my heart becomes softened again, until my heart becomes pliable, until my desire becomes your desire, because at the moment, I don't like them. See, Jonah was moved by bitterness contrast, Jesus was moved by compassion. Jesus was moved by compassion. And, and, and John, we have, we have many, many places in, in the word. The, the gospels are full of Jesus being moved by compassion. And he was, he, he was moved. Listen, Jesus walked the earth as man. He was fully God. Fully God. But he chose to live in the earth as man, to function as man. Empowered by the same spirit we are called and given the privilege of being empowered by. Are you following me? So he set the example. Do you think that Jesus wasn't tempted to be bitter? I'm step on some theological toes, but the Bible says that he was tempted in all points. That means Jesus was tempted to be bitter. Jesus was tempted to be angry. Jesus was tempted to fight back. Jesus was tempted to call down. Uh, anything that you can think that you would be tempted to do, Jesus was tempted to do and more. <laughs> but yet Jesus, why? I just, I, I just see Jesus as the model. And the model is this, is that when things, Jesus didn't wait until things got difficult to go up into his presence. He, all, he made, that was his lifestyle of being in his presence. He said, I only do what I see my father do. I only speak what I see. Listen, how would he do that if he wasn't constantly in his presence? I knew I was going to do that. God. It's holy water. <laughs> Sorry for the, those who have to clean that up. Jesus lived in the place of the presence of the Father. 
Could this be why that is that 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 is why power constantly flowed out of him? The body of Christ in America, we've been crying, well, some of us, we've been crying out for power, but yet we forget where the power came from. Some of us deny that power even exists anymore because the canon of scripture, by the you know, is 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 the fulfillment of that, and we don't need power anymore. We use theological uh, explanations to explain away why there's no power in our life. When there's no power in our life, we don't need to explain it away. We need to go to him and say, Lord, why is there no power in my life in this area? And more than likely, the answer is going to be because you're not, you haven't been in my presence to the point where now you have been soaked and saturated with me to the point that you're no longer concerned about power, but you're concerned about the people who I'm trying to release power to. Jesus was moved with compassion in John, in John chapter 8. We see the woman who was caught in the act of adultery. That's such a fascinating story. It's fascinating for many reasons because, one, uh, where was the man? Because the law was clear. Not only should, did the woman have to be stoned, have to be stoned. It wasn't even an option. Not only did the woman have to be stoned, but so did the man. They brought her in the midst of the act. They caught her in the midst of the act, and they brought her to Jesus. And, and, and I love how Jesus responds. Because Jesus doesn't even acknowledge the religious leaders trying to, trying to entrap him, trying to get him in a place where they could accuse him of either not having mercy or not fulfilling the law. Jesus just ignores them and bends down, and he starts to ride in the dirt, and there's all kinds of things on that. We don't know what he wrote, but what we do know is whatever he did in that moment, conviction came, and he said, let he who was without sin cast the first stone. And as they one by one walked away, Jesus stood and he said, woman, where are your accusers? Where are those who condemn you? She said, they're not here. And he said, nor do I condemn you. Now go and sin no more. What was Jesus doing? From a place of compassion, he was releasing grace. But listen, I know when, at times when we start talking about the grace of God, we feel the need to throw this caveat there that grace is not a license to sin. Listen, grace is not a license to sin, but nobody needs a license to sin because we've been sinning since the beginning. Grace is empowering to overcome the bondage of sin. And so Jesus stands, he acknowledges her, and he says, I do not condemn you. I'm now releasing grace to you. Now go and sin no more. Not because if you do, you're going to hell, but because if you do, you're going to be right back in the place that you are right now, and he's got freedom for you. That looks a whole lot more like, G, like, like Jesus than Jonah. I wonder what we look like. Jonah was moved by bitterness. He was moved by bias. I could see in, in our words today, Jonah. Jonah sounds a whole lot like, listen... He sounds a whole lot like the body of Christ. 
But just as the grace of God was released to the city of Nineveh, the grace of God was released to Jonah. We look at it as, as, it, as, at it as God judging Jonah. God wasn't judging Jonah. God was trying to give, extend grace to Jonah. The Bible says that, that God, he, let me, let me just read it. Let me just read it how it says it here. Uh, let me get back there. It says that, that. Oh, yeah. It says that, but the Lord sent out a great wind on the sea. A great wind. And we look at that as that's God's judgment because he's chasing Jonah down. I looked up that word wind and that word wind is ruach. The word ruach is the same word for the breath of God. See, when we would send judgment, God sends the wind of his spirit. And the wind of his spirit was bringing a vehicle that would pick Jonah up and save him from drowning and would expedite him to the place that he was supposed to be in the first place. See, some of you, you've been running from God in certain areas and you think that now you're at a place where he's judging you. Yes, and things may be happening, but it's not the judgment of God. It may be the breath of God blowing in your life to get you to a place where you realize that without him, you have nothing. the grace of God, the empowering to not only get Nineveh to repent and bring them to a place. It's so amazing when you think about what they had done. I won't go into the details. I think Pastor Sarah said she did that the other day and people were looking for the exits. But it's amazing the things that had done. And, but I can see us, if we, were, if we were looking at them now, we would be saying things like, those people. You know, those people just they're just evil and they just they just they just don't love God. Those people, those 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 homosexuals. Those transgenders, those liberals, those conservatives, those Democrats, those Republicans, those, 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 all along Jesus is crying out, no, I'm not worried about what they are in. I am more concerned about who I've called them to be. They're in a place of bondage, and instead of judging them, I want you to be the light in the darkness. I want you to release the grace that I provided to bring them out. But in order to do that, we have to look more like Jesus than we do Jonah. Hot in here. I believe that the Holy Spirit has created who who's coming? Who's coming? Brent. Brent. I believe that Jesus is moving in such a powerful way in this place. And that what he is doing in this moment is not bringing condemnation or pointing out things, well, you have this wrong or you have that wrong. What he's doing is, is he is stirring within us to, to show us anything in us that's not like him. 
anything in us that would cause us to look at someone or in something, in some sin, in some bondage and say that at least we're not like them. It's another level of representing Jesus authentically. It's not that we've been doing it incorrectly. It's not that you've been doing it incorrectly. Listen, I know I can tell you by the Spirit that how, how you have been reflecting Jesus in a powerful way. Why? Because people are bringing cigarettes to the altar. But I declare that there's another level. And that other level takes you going to another level in your relationship with him and allowing him to remove anything in you that doesn't look like him. Because I believe that not only does he want to see cigarettes on the altar, he wants to see crack pipes on the altar. He wants to see marijuana on the altar. He wants to see the alcohol on the altar. He wants to see all of the bondages and all of the condemnation and all of the guilt and the shame laid on the altar and let the fire of God come and burn it up. So don't take anything I'm saying as, this is, this is an invitation to pruning. And this is not just for you. This is what he's been speaking to me. We have a, we have a wrong perspective. Remember we began, and, and, and don't worry, Pastor, Pastor Harris and the other staff, they're going to teach you about Jonah. It's going to be amazing. I just really used Jonah as a segue to get to where I wanted to go. We get, we, remember we talked about perspective shaping your reality? My perspective of pruning used to be that I was being punished for something until I actually read the Bible. It's amazing what will happen when you read the Bible. And the Holy Spirit showed me that pruning is not because you've done something wrong, it's because you've done something right. He prunes those who, who bear fruit. Why? So that they can bear more fruit. Now, we've, we've, we've messed up some translation, and we preach that those who don't bear fruit, he cuts off and he casts into hell. It actually says that he, he props them up, but we, we're, going to, we're going to that seven years from now. But he prunes those who are bearing fruit. So if he's got the knife out right now and he's starting to cut some things on you and he's cutting you in places where you didn't want him to cut you, that's not because you've done something wrong. It's because you've done something right. It's because he wants to take you to another level of intimacy. He wants to take you to another level of relationship so that you can walk in another level of power without seeking the power. Can we stand? Even if you've never lifted your hands before, just indulge me for a moment and just lift your hands to him. Jesus, we lift our hands as a sign of surrender to you. 
We surrender our hearts to you. We surrender our minds to you. We surrender our will to you. We say, Holy Spirit, have your way in us. Remove anything in us that's not accurately, that doesn't accurately reflect who Jesus is. Holy Spirit, teach us to behold the face of Jesus. To see you correctly. So that we could represent you rightly. Lord, I'm asking you, I ask you now just to, to break the hardness out of our hearts and the areas that we may not even know. Just reveal it right now, Holy Spirit. Reveal it right now. Right now. Reveal the biases. Reveal the prejudice. Reveal the criticism. Reveal God, reveal the hurt. Reveal the pain. The bitterness and the anger. Oh, reveal the unforgiveness. sense that this is what Holy Spirit wants to do and so I'm, I'm not going to give a whole I'm not going to give a long altar call I'm not going to beg you to come I'm not going to yell and shout and get, to get you to come I just want you to you just do what Holy Spirit tells you to do there are two things one if there's anyone in this place and you've never truly given your life to Jesus now's the moment now's the moment And it simply takes you coming to him and saying, Lord Jesus, I receive your forgiveness. And I thank you for what you've done. I make you the Lord of my life. I give you everything. I surrender to you. Now show me your ways. Teach me to walk with you. Fill me with your spirit. And just let him do what he wants to do. And if that's you, in just a moment, if that's you, I just want you to come to the front on this side. On the side where Pastor Harris and Pastor Sarah are at. I want you to make your way over here. For those of you who, those of us who would say, I, I've walked with the Lord, I, I know the Lord, but there's another level that he wants to, me, to take me to. And there are some things that he's revealed to my spirit. There are some things that, there are some heart conditions that he's revealed. There are some prejudices or some biases or some, some attitudes or some thought processes that he wants to cut out of my life. And, or there is some hurt and some pain or some bitterness or some jealousy or, or whatever it is. 
There's some addiction. There's some, some hurts, some hang-ups. There's some, some cycles in my life that I need to get broken. Whatever it is, then I, if that's you, then I just want you to fill this altar space. I just want you to come, and I want you to lay it down. Symbolically, I want you to lay it at the altar. The Bible says that in the Old Testament, the priests would come, and they would put the sacrifice on the altar, and God would send fire and consume it. I'm telling you this morning that as you come and you lay those things down on the altar, the fire of God is going to consume those things. And then he's going to grace you because in the new covenant, we are called to keep the fire burning. Hallelujah. So quickly, quickly, if that's you, just come. Oh, hallelujah. Let's turn her mic up. Can we do that? Father, I just thank you right now for just consuming what we're laying on the altar. I thank you right now for deception being removed. I thank you for hardness of hearts being made pliable and moldable again in your presence, being teachable again. Lord, I thank you that the critical spirit is being removed. That addictions are being broken right now in your presence. I thank you, Lord, that eyes are being opened, that blinders, that like Paul, as the, the, the scales from his eyes, were as they fell and he started to see correctly. Lord, I thank you that right now scales are falling from eyes. I thank you that right now spiritual eyes are clearing. I just speak the blurriness of vision and command that to clear as well. Right here in your presence, healing is flowing, healing spirit, soul, and body. I thank you, Lord, for arthritis being healed right now in Jesus' name. I thank you for ringing in the ears to be, to be cease right now in the name of Jesus. I declare that every voice but the voice of the King of Kings be silent now in Jesus' name. I rebuke the voice of condemnation the voice of shame, the voice of fear. And I declare that the only voice that can be clearly heard is the voice of Jesus. Hallelujah. as those are laying their things at the altar let's just lift our hands and let's just worship him 